Hello and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt. And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the Trunchbull. Trunchbull. They're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. From Roald Dahl's beloved Matilda, despite her protestations. Each episode we review one picture book and one chapter book. We're starting off with the books that we read as kids, but if you've got a book you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, please get in touch. You can email us on eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter and on Facebook at TrunchbullPod. And it's the end of the series! We achieved another series! <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy with this one. It's been lovely. As we like to do at the end of a series, we've got something a bit different for you this week. So, to wrap up this series, what we're going to do is a little roundup of wordless picture books. Um, this was stemming from the episode we did on Peace and War. Um, we had yeah. um, Private Peaceful by Michael Morpurgo. Um, and then we ended up putting that with the general um, because of partly because of Michael Foreman's involvement and Michael Foreman and Michael Morpurgo have... Uh, collaborated a lot together um, but one of the others we had on the list as a, a, a close maybe for that was um, a book called Why by Nikolai Popov um, yes. which is uh, a book about kind of the, the senselessness of war it's a picture book and it's solely a picture book which we hadn't done yet and we really yeah. liked the thought of so we thought we'd do a bit mm. of a special on uh, picture books in their purest form with no words. Um, no words, just the pictures. Yeah. We've each got three to present to each other. Um, I want to talk a bit at the top about uh, why wordless picture books are good. I really like them because there's a real focus on the art, the artwork. You know, like when you're reading a picture book with words, you have a cue to turn the page. Like you finish reading all the words and then you turn the page. But a wordless picture book doesn't tell you to turn the page. It really mm. gives a lot of independence to the reader, or I guess the looker, um, mm. Mm. to really go through it at their own pace. I mean, even you could read it backwards. You could, like, open it on any page. It's very non-prescriptive in how you consume it. Um, yeah. it they also don't need to be translated. So mm -hmm. they're really good for exposing children to different cultures than their own, which I think is really special. And also, they are often used in speech therapy, I found out when I was doing a bit of research this morning. Right. Because it it really opens up space for the child to look at the pictures and tell the story in their own words. And to, like, see the link between the pictures yeah. for themselves and make up their own story for it. I could also really see a child who can't read yet reading a wordless picture book to themselves or to a younger sibling even or somebody else. You know, this is a kind of reading you can do before you can read. And I think that's really lovely. And it just, because it doesn't have words that you have to say, it opens up loads of space for conversations as well. You know, you could have a look and say, oh, what do you think they're doing here? Or why do you think they're doing this? You know, what do you think's going on? What do you think about this? It's kind of a different form of communication, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a definite freedom to it. Imagine yeah. it's probably quite good, like, as one of those things that kind of increases kids' brain elast 
Oh, definitely, definitely. It's really good for like word acquisition and learning to make the links between the different pictures, you know, to see causal links and stuff. They're really good. Mm. And we don't often do them on even the Trunchbull because it would be difficult. I don't know. We're an audio medium <laughs> and they're purely visual. But we're going to give you a rundown of some of our favourites. Yeah, so we're going to start, I think, with um, with the book that kicked this idea off. Um, Nina's yeah. going to take us through Why by Nikolai Popov. So this is a, a story about some frogs and some rabbits and about this escalation of conflict between them. So at the beginning of the book, there's a very happy-looking frog and then a rabbit rocks up and the frog feels invaded and so the frog kicks the rabbit out, the rabbit comes back with his friends, they kick the frog out, frog comes back with his friends, and it's about this escalation, this sort of, like, needless, but sort of, it feels inevitable, this escalation of conflict mm, between mm. the frogs and the rabbits, you know, and as it goes on, they bring in tanks and guns and bombs. <laughs> it's yeah. funny, as well as being really dark, to see, like, it does, little yeah, frogs it does have and that rabbits. bean of humour in it, yeah. Yeah, um... I think it would be really good for opening up a conversation with a child about peace, about pacifism, about mm. de-escalation, about you could ask, what could the frogs and rabbits have done differently to not end mm. up in this situation mm. at the end of the book? What do you think you could do in a situation like this? If you're busy in your nice place and somebody else rocks up, how do you think that makes you feel? Can you understand why the frogs are upset and can you understand why the rabbits are upset? I feel like the title's doing a lot of work. Why? Like, let's have a look at why. Why is this happening? Yeah, like, just, yeah, yeah. What else can you say about why? Do you want to move on to Here I Am by Patty Kim and Sonia Sanchez? This is one that I found uh, just the other day. So Patty Kim, who is a Korean writer who came over to America when she was quite young. And this is a book about an experience of someone moving to a new country and trying to fit in. Uh, so we've got this little lad who... It's not really specified where he's moving to. There's bits of uh, the pictures that look like they might be London tube maps, but it's kind of not specific. Mm. Um, but he's on the plane and he's arriving and it's grey and cloudy and rainy and all of the street signs, really nice touch straight away that all of the street signs are just written in kind of like made up symbology. Yeah, um, I really appreciated that. Yeah, that nobody can read it. So you have to have the experience of not it's, being able to read it. Yeah. And it's not even, you know, it's not a Greek alphabet. It's not a Cyrillic alphabet. It's um, it's just symbols. It's not anything that anyone would recognize. Yeah. And you recognize the shapes like you can see that that's a stop sign but you can't read anything so it's just kind of takes you straight into his head straight away i guess in some ways it's it's kind of quite similar to sumi's first day of school ever that we did it's kind of dealing with similar stuff but mm. and we have similarly to that story we have the scene in school where you know he's sat at the desk and the teacher's writing on the board and what she's writing on the board is just blah 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 yeah <laughs> and what the children <laughs> are saying is blah 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 yeah um <laughs> and uh but and so he's got a little keepsake from home which is this little seed um 
it like it's drawn as it glowing in his pocket. Everything else is kind of black and white, and this seed is mm-hmm. glowing. And so yeah, he's he's in this new city. His mum goes out with the baby in the pram, leaves him on his own in the house, and he's sat in the windowsill, fed up. And he accidentally drops his keepsake out of the window. That's your interpretation now. I thought he dropped it on purpose to make a friend. Right. So this is the thing about wordless picture books is we can have our interpretations. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can tell what kind of whatever story we like. Totally, and it also works. It also works that it's deliberate because what happens then is that this little girl on the pavement picks it up. So yeah, it could be that he's kind of throwing it to her, um, and she just runs off with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which then means that he has to go and look for and go and explore. And this is my absolute favourite bit about this book is because I, I really related to this. It's just the that idea of getting out and exploring when you're in a new place and it's really scary, mm. being such a hard thing to do, but absolutely being one of the best antidotes to that yeah. feeling of nerves because he goes out exploring and he starts to you know he buys a pretzel from a stand and he's waves to a couple of people in a cafe and just gradually the pictures start getting more color in them there is a postscript to this story so it's kind right. of it's not totally totally wordless because there is there's mm-hmm. a really gorgeous bit written from the author at the end kind of specifically to immigrants or anyone who's feeling lost in a new place saying here was my experience you know I moved over when I was four I threw up on the plane it was awful um I hated it it got better um and I realized that I had something to offer to this new country as well so that's why I wrote this book it's really lovely there's one quote from the postscript at the end that I thought I'd uh, share because it's lovely so so uh, patty came i've just checked as well to clarify she's an american korean writer said uh what happens to us when we forget to be afraid we lose our firm grip on what belongs to us we open our hands we share we give and i just thought that was really lovely that's really good um should we move on do you want to talk to yeah. us about so next up we've got flora and the flamingo by molly idol which was one of yours that you brought to the table, Nina. Yeah. So this is a this is a big change of pace. This is a much shorter book. It's a yeah. much simpler book in a way as well. Um, and it has flaps. So that's really cool. You know how children like books with flaps. Flappy um, so book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's our first flappy book. Don't leave it in the hands of your toddler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or it will no longer be a flappy book. <laughs> I love this one. I it's very very simple. It's just these there are two characters, there's Flora and the flamingo. And all the rest of the background is white in every page, lots of empty space. And Flora is a little girl in a swimsuit with flippers on her feet and a swim cap on her head. Looks like she's just been swimming. And she's got on this pink swimsuit, which is pink like a flamingo, and she's got this round tummy in the pink swimsuit, which is round like the flamingo. And they just have a dance. (laughs) It's lovely. Um, (laughs) The flamingo does something, and then Flora does the thing. 
and you know like the flippers work as an analog to the flamingo's feet her arms are like its wings um and by moving the flaps you can make them dance so you could like you could have a proper performance with this you could put on some music and make flora and the flamingo dance and that's the whole book it's just a dance um, yeah. And I, I, I think it's really lovely. I still haven't done our fat episode that is coming at some point in the future, listener. But this is a book of a little fat child having a little dance. Yeah, just a little chubby girl. And just, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I like how the roundness of her tummy is sort of echoing the roundness of the flamingo because nobody would think to criticise the body shape of a flamingo. They're just yeah. beautiful and pink and round. <laughs> and so is Flora, beautiful and pink and round. So, I mean, that's all I've got to say about it. I, I think it's really beautiful, really lovely, really fun. It's just a little little slice of joy, really, isn't it? Yeah. There's not too much else to say about it. Um, there is a lot to say about Found by Jeff yes. Newman and Larry Day, which is one of yours. Yes. So this is uh, it's a really, really lovely lovely little uh, picture book um so the basic story we have is that a little girl slightly older than some of the protagonists we've had but still mm-hmm. seems to be a little girl finds a, a dog on the street and yeah takes him in and starts you know playing with him at first like the dog's not allowed to sleep on a bed but she wakes up in the morning <laughs> and he has been and they sort of settle in with each other um she's uh feeding him out of a bowl that says prudence on it and yeah then the next day they they go out and they play and all of the rest of it and they're getting on really well she goes to the pet store and buys like a big bag of loads of stuff and then comes out and sees a poster with the dog on it that says missing roscoe and then we have kind of a few pages of her deliberating, like she's lying yeah. up awake at night with the dog on the bed sleeping next to her. And eventually, you know, decides, right, we need to, this isn't my dog. And goes and knocks on a door and hands it over. And there's this little boy. It, this little boy is clasping Roscoe and Roscoe's like licking his face. And she sort of just stood in the doorway like, fine, whatever. Yeah. But then at the end, we see her walking, passing a shelter and there's another dog in the window and they kind of have a moment where they both press their hands up against the glass and it's really cute yeah. and, and she takes him home but yeah really nicely drawn um it's got this kind of feeling of loneliness to it but it's such a lovely ending um yeah uh, i'd say this is maybe a really lovely book for someone who's lost their dog yeah. You know, because this is another thing that dogs provide for children is an experience of grief. Often before yeah. you experience the loss of a person, if you grow up yeah. in a house with animals, they die or they go away, you know. Yeah. Like, there are many wonderful things about having a dog as a child. You experience the responsibility, you experience the love and the relationship. You also get the circle of life. You get yeah. birth and death in a time span that a child can comprehend. And so if you are in a household with pets and children, your child at some point is going to experience the loss of that pet. And in a way, that's a good thing. And I think this is a really lovely one to read with a child who is grieving a pet. 
a possibly also a good one to read for a child who's not grieving a pet yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. If your kid has a pet, it might be a good one. Uh, who I guess I wouldn't recommend it to. Basically, any parents who do not like Want the to idea buy of having dog. an animal in the house yeah. <laughs> because read this to your kid. <laughs> you know, I'd imagine there's a fairly strong chance that they'd then be asking for a dog. So. It's rare that we give an anti-recommendation on this podcast, yeah. but yeah, if you don't want a dog, don't don't read this to kids. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so next up we have The Only Child by Wojing. Yeah, I found this on the World Kidlit blog, so should give them a plug. They're brilliant if you want to find recommendations for children's books Definitely from check other cultures out. that have been translated into English. This was in one of their roundups. Uh, this is a Chinese book. It's more like a comic. It's a bit longer. It looks like pencil drawings and it's black and white throughout. And it's the story of this round child. Looks really young. Looks maybe like just post-toddler. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that reviews of the book have said it's a girl child, but it really could be any gender of child. So I'm just going to yeah. call them the child. And they're amusing themselves home alone. They've watched TV. They've played with all their toys. They've used their dressing up box. They've looked um, in a photo album at pictures of their family. But it seems at the moment they're on their own. Mm. And they're just bored. Mm. So they set out on an adventure. (laughs) They leave a note to their mum and dad saying, off to see grandma. And out goes this toddler into the world by themselves and as an adult reading this this is terrifying the child is so small and the world is so big and scary and out they go <laughs> they they get dressed they put on their dungarees buckle their shoes and off they go and they catch a bus and they fall asleep on the bus and when they wake up there's nobody left on the bus and they have no idea where they are um and it's snowing and it's cold and they're really upset and then they see a deer and they're like all right you're a living thing gonna follow you yeah (laughs) and the deer at first is not into it the deer's like walking away walks away through a stream the much smaller than a deer child tries to walk through the stream and falls in and the deer's like can't let you drown so the deer fishes the child out and they go on this amazing adventure together uh some of it seems possible and some of it doesn't there's a lot of interplay between like what could be snow or what could be clouds it seems like maybe they're flying sometimes or maybe they're swimming they meet this is it a baby bear or a baby sloth it's a baby fluffy animal that tags along with them for a while and after a while the baby fluffy animal misses its mum and so they drop it home with its mum. And this reminds the child, oh, maybe I want my mum. And so the deer helps the child home. And meanwhile, the parents have been going absolutely frantic. They've gone to grandma's house. The child's not there. It's awful. And then she shows up again. And the deer watches her go. And she goes to sleep with her little toy deer in her hand. And like revisits it all in a dream. Yeah. It's gorgeous. 
there's a there's a danger to it. There is a danger yes, it, to this it book. It feels very unsafe. Yeah. As adults reading it anyway. It is terrifying. Yeah. She she's so small. <laughs> she's gone off by herself. Oh, you really feel for her parents when they find her note. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just gone for a mooch. <laughs> Because she's drawn as so vulnerable and little, yeah. isn't she? Like, it's beautiful drawings, but so yeah. innocent and kind of caught up in it all. And Yeah. I, I love how round that child is. Yeah. Perfectly <laughs> spherical. <laughs> this child is squidgy and soft, which accentuates, yeah. I think, the feeling of danger. The yeah. world is full of sharp edges and cold pools and lakes and seas and big cars pokey trees and scary big animals and the child is just this round soft fat ball of vulnerability yeah that i think that's what makes it such a terrifying read it's absolutely beautiful it's really gorgeous i would say it's maybe a picture book for older children actually I mean, it, it easily reads as an adult. But also, like, it's such beautifully drawn pictures that I think, you know, a really, like, a, a two or a three-year-old could definitely get a lot from it. Should we move on to the snowman? Yeah, because when we decided to do this episode, you said, of course, the snowman is a wordless picture. But I was like, is it? And it is. It is. Okay, so, I mean, who doesn't know the snowman? But just in case you don't know the snowman, it's a picture book. Raymond Briggs has also then been made into an animated sort of half-hour film, which is shown every Christmas, I think, certainly in this country. But yeah, so a little boy wakes up one morning and it's snowing. Um, So he sort of presses his face to the window and uh, runs outside and uh, starts rolling up a big snowball and goes, oh, I know, I'll make a snowman. So he's out there sort of all morning building this big snowman that's about half a, half again his own height, you know. Yeah. Um, a sort of like a full adult-sized snowman, and he gets a little hat, like gets his dad's hat, I guess, and puts it on, and he gets lumps of coal um, for eyes, which I suppose dates it slightly. I think it was yeah. 1978 this mm. was written, so it's <laughs> it's kind of that quite appealing thing of like, yeah, point in history where people still had their the cool sheds. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little a little tangerine for the nose and draws a smiley face on. Um and then he goes back inside and has his tea and goes to bed and it keeps showing you the, the clock and it's kind of quarter to midnight mm. and the boy sort of wakes up and goes to sleep again and then it's five to midnight and he wakes up and goes to the window and he sees something and and then it's midnight and he runs outside and the snowman's there in the yard sort of doffing his cap to him. So he's like, <laughs> hello, how are you doing? Um, and then they just have loads of adventures. So he shows yeah. him into the house. He's sort of like, shh, come in. And the, and he's showing him like, don't go near the radiators. That's going to be really bad for you. Um, but like, they're sort of like, they're boxing and they're skateboarding and they're having a, a right old time in the house. Um, and then... They get in. They get in the car and turn the engine on and turn the lights on, um, and then they go flying. So the snowman yeah. takes them out by the hand, um, and they and they fly off. You get a city scape, and then 
the snowman notices that the sun's starting to rise and looks slightly panicked and goes, right, we have to go home now. And they fly home and the little boy goes back to bed and then wakes up again and sort of runs past his parents having their breakfast uh, straight outside still in his slippers. And then we have the last image of him with little clenched fists standing over a pile of melted snow with a hat and some Some lumps of of coal. coal. Yeah. So it's a really poignant ending to a really, really lovely book and a beautifully drawn book. Um, It's all kind of, I think, pencil or coloured crayon drawings, but there's real expressiveness to the drawings. And loads of character in the snowman, just in his posture, mm. he's got sort of slightly hunched <laughs> shoulders. Yeah, he, he's he's friendly, but he's low status. Yeah, I think is what's <laughs> lovely about the snowman, right? Yeah, you're one of those people who deliberately make themselves. Uh, yeah, a bit smaller. Low status. It's just kind yeah. of part of nice things come to an end. Snow um, melts, and that's yeah, and that's kind of okay. It's a big favourite in my house. I, I'm sure I watch the film every year. Also, we had the picture book. Um, that year, that, do you remember the year the Phoenix Window did The Snowman? Uh, yes, vaguely. Quite a while ago. Yeah, it's a few years ago. Um, yeah. And they all went like snowman mad with the branding. They had yeah. Michael Morpurgo write a chapter book of it. And I think it is not good. Oh, really? I mean, I don't blame Michael Morpurgo. There's not enough story in the picture book for a chapter book, so he's had to add loads of stuff. And I don't think it really works. Um, you sort of don't need to do that. No. I mean, it was just part of the Phoenix branding extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, and I think we're going to put this in a giveaway, if we at all can, I found in a charity shop the other day a version of it with words that comes with a CD of the soundtrack to the film. And uh. the words were written by the composer and read by Bernard Cribbins. Um, right. And it's an absolutely lovely audiobook. I've listened to it. Um, uh. You can really tell that the words have been written by the same person who wrote the music. It all right. goes perfectly. I could see giving this book and the CD to a child just to look through on their own. You know, like, if you want to go and wrap some presents, say, you need your child to not come and interrupt and look at what you've bought them. Set them up with a CD player and a book and leave it. You buy you 30 minutes. I think that TV adaptation has been on telly every Christmas for the last 40 years now. What was it? I think 1982, (laughs) the... The yeah. adaptation was made. Yeah, I've loved this story my whole life. Yeah, it's it's very simple, but very well done. Raymond Briggs did other Christmassy picture books, and they're not as good as this. The book he was working on before this, that apparently was just like, was a, a, a book with words and just became so involved and bogged down and messy for him that he just said, like, he just wanted to do something that was clean and simple and easy. Mm. And, and that's is. why he did the snowman, and then that <laughs> ends up being just 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 right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was it was just a palate cleanser for him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, I'm done with all this wordy rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Let me just draw Let's something just draw with some loads pictures. of white, so I don't have to do a lot of colouring in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
uh, that was <sighs> series three of Even the Trunchbull. Thank you for listening. Once again, if you've any thoughts on books you loved as a kid. Or love now as a kid. Let us know or ask a grown-up to let us know. We're at eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter and Facebook at TrunchbullPod. Intro music for this episode and every episode is What a Wonderful Day by Shane Ivers. And remember, kids' books can be for everyone because we've all been kids. Even the Trunchbull. Trunchbull.